me to sharpen that axe, a podcast dedicated to strengthening your skills and my skills and John's skills. Even my skills. Even your skills, yes. Um, for friends who are just joining us, new friends, uh, my name is Dylan. Uh, I am a Galway-based guitar enthusiast, and with me, as always, is my co-host, John. I think John has actually been on more episodes of this than I have, because he has done <laughs> some random interviews in the States. So, he, you know, you're winning in that respect, but John is usually here. Um, John, you are a guitar teacher in Colorado. Sounds That's- like I'm not- you're yeah. on trial. Is that correct? <laughs> yes, Your Honor. I am, in fact, a guitar teacher, guitarist, guitar enthusiast, player, whatever. Pra- practitioner of guitar things. That's me. Yes. So, yeah, so we, we, we do this. We talk about uh, improving your playing. We talk to uh, big guitar players in the guitar world. And we, we've already said the word guitar a lot. So I think that basically shows... Welcome to our guitar podcast. Yes, exactly. That's That's basically the title of this PowerPoint presentation of this podcast. So uh, welcome. Uh, with, we have a really nice episode for you today. Uh, we have our Lick of the Week. As always, we have some always fun Gibson news. And um, we have an interview with Rowan from I Built the Sky. And then we have uh, maybe a little powwow about what we've been working on in our own private guitar lives. Um, so John, it is my turn for Lick of the Week. And uh, I'm considering this like the sequel to the last lick of the week I chose, which was, of course, Smooth by Santana. Um, <laughs> and, uh, so that's, that's all I'm going to say, and I am able to back that up with some sort of justification. Okay, and here we go. Oh, of course. Okay, of course. Okay. Yes. Um, of course. This is soon as soon as you hear that first note and the uh the whammy bar comes in, brings it down, like you know exactly what this is. It, unless you've been living under a rock for 30 years. So yeah. So this yeah. is Wicked Game by Chris Isaac, a guitar player James Calvin Wilsey, who was a longtime member of Chris's band. Uh, this this song came out the year I was born. The song came out in 1990. And it was just, it was kind of everywhere, really. From I remember my dad telling me, how, how, like, the video was just, like, the most salacious thing anyone had seen. I think it was probably banned on Irish television because uh, <laughs> it's just Chris Isaac rolling around on a beach with a supermodel uh, in sexy, sexy black and white. But, yeah, so I think that this is a really, really nice piece of lead guitar playing. Uh, I don't know if you saw, but friend of the show, Eric Haugen, put out a video this week about uh, slowing down as a player and focusing on being able to enjoy the instrument more by uh, basically taking a step back and slowing everything down, being able to feel the notes, which was something that he said when we interviewed him a few episodes back. And I I think that's what's so great about this song is that it's just the mood is created by the tempo and the choice of notes. And essentially, like it's a two note riff. It's just like a with a little bit of whammying in between. Mm-hmm. Um, really, really, like if it's brooding, it's kind of atmospheric. Because this, this is a really interesting song because it is just a loop. It is a three-chord loop in B-Dorian going over and over again. And, you know, you can do whatever you want over that, but it's the fact that it's just this really nice note placement and then it goes into that little arpeggio section. 
and yeah I think it's just I think one of the reasons I picked it is because it's so distinctive I mean you know exactly like you said from that first note you know what you're in for for the next three minutes sexy uh, <laughs> like falsetto uh, you know it's 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 a really really atmospheric song and yeah it got big it was released as a single in 1990 uh, but wasn't a hit right away it was in a David Lynch film called uh, Wild at Heart and then some DJ oh. picked it up and then started kind of uh, preaching the word of Chris Isaac and it eventually got to number one I think uh, it did in Europe anyway it was huge uh, but yeah it's uh, I mean like your experience John with this song I mean w- what do you think do you have any associations with it so yeah it's kind of funny I actually know I, I, I know more about it than I probably normally would just because I had okay. a student a while back he wanted to it, it's it's his wife's favorite song and so for their anniversary he wanted to record the entire thing start to finish sing it play all the guitars on it um and then we had our guy over at silver sound who does all of our recording engineering he threw in drums and bass on it so um but i walked him through the whole process we learned all the licks we um we worked on it in and out and so got to know the history about it a little uh, as well which there's not a whole lot except i mean it was many many takes was this and then this was yeah. the one they landed on so there's there's a cool element of production history that goes into this as well okay. um and he james wilsey there just happened to to find that like perfect perfect moment yeah um he does he does remember recording that take but he also remembers recording a whole bunch of them there's a few interviews of him that you can okay. kind of dig up uh, but this too, like like you said, you just know as soon as that first that first note, and it's yeah, fantastic. Yeah. His touch on this is really great, and that was one of the things. Just working working with somebody on this, you realize how good of a guitar player this guy you've probably never heard of mm-hmm. actually was, and he passed away in 2018. Yes. Yeah, um, he did. So it, it's just, he, he has so much control over these notes and the whammy bar. It's, it, is, it is actually really remarkable. It is a difficult thing to exactly mimic what he has done and yes. to really be very conscious of the notes that he is hitting as he uses the, the whammy bar to change those pitches. It's, it's yeah. very impressive. It's, it's simple and just absolutely fantastic and so tasteful. Yeah, I think as a musician, as a session guitarist that's played with a few different singers, I think that, you know, when you're taking someone else's material or song, but you want to add some sort of flavor to it that doesn't take away from the lyrics or the vocal melodies, this is what you aim for. Like, this is kind of, in terms of session playing, this is um, this is like kind of the gold standard for pop music in my eyes. So, yeah, cool. That's that's why I chose it. Um, sweet. Also, it's just, it's a weird song. You mentioned there that you had a student that wanted to cover it i have heard this song i think it's because it's so you know because if even if you you do a guitar loop you can just loop this all over again you can like it's it's so easy to cover if you know what i mean you don't have to be that good of a guitarist to play the chords you don't have to you know it's it's if you just, if it's just one guy on a looping pedal you can pull it off and um, like stone sour have covered this celine dion has covered this mm-hmm. it's just you know it's just it's kind of one of those versatile songs that i think that a lot of musicians kind of aspire to write so i i yeah. would i would i would argue or i guess i would be curious mm. 
uh, from your perspective as also a vocalist then? Because to me, this is not necessarily an easy song vocally. Is that no. fair? Oh, I, I would very much say, I think the range that he uh, demonstrates on the recorded version at least uh, is very, yeah, I, I would find it quite difficult. You'd have to very have a very strong head voice to go from like the lower register up to higher. Right. Um, I think I've covered it before, but it'd be kind of more of a, like just in like a house party or something like that. It would be like a, <laughs> my, yeah. my own version of it but yeah it's it's it is difficult to say but it's I, I that is an interesting point as well there's a really good live video that he does i think from a few years ago it's got like 20 million hits on youtube it's like you know way, a long time after the song was originally recorded but you get to see how good of a vocalist he is and how the guitar player actually you know he's using the mm. whammy bar and open strings like how the song is actually played so if you're interested in that i highly recommend checking that out it's just just a performance it's really impressive yeah um, but anyway that's enough with uh, our wicked game so john you alerted me uh during the week that gibson are once again up to, to oh, no good gosh. oh my yes. gosh seriously friend. like <laughs> yeah uh, i had a friend who put it this way like get your Stop spending money on your army of retained lawyers and go build guitars again. That's, yeah. Why, why don't you innovate and build something cool? So, but yes, the, the first thing that I noticed was Gibson is going after Collings guitars. I'm mm. sorry, Collings isn't even in your league, Gibson. Yeah. This is sort of somebody, yeah, this would be the equivalent of me going after George Clooney because his nose looks like mine. Like, come on. <laughs> Let's... Both equally handsome, John. Don't oh, worry. well, well, thank, thank, thank you, Dylan. I'm not as handsome as George Clooney, for sure. This is ridiculous. Collings makes absolutely fantastic instruments that, correct me if I'm wrong, start at about like $3,000. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've, I've played a few of them. I've never owned one myself. They're great guitars. Like, you cannot confuse Gibson with Collings. Gibson's just bitter because they make they do what Gibson was trying to do, just better. So the, I I I I'm beside myself. I don't even know what else to say. So the 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 lawsuit is just ahead. Yes. Yeah. Um. And again, to me, this sort of looks like it. I, you're grasping at straws. And you're kind of angry that somebody else does what you do better. That's what it looks like to me. Yeah, I mean, the, the, <laughs> the quote that they're using is there is a three words, likelihood of confusion between the two. Right, and that's, and that's, that's, why, that's, why, I'm so, that's why I'm so upset about this. I'm like, no, there is no confusion. <laughs> but thank it's you like, for I, your clarification. It's not even that the fonts are similar. It's that the shade of the fonts are similar. And like so many guitar headstocks look very very similar if you have like a three and three design you know you get it's, it's there's very only easy so many ways to do that yeah and um, <sighs> they were also in the news this week with uh satellite amps who are a amp guitar builder uh, out of the states you know it would be a very small kind of independent uh luthier business i've got about twenty thousand followers on instagram but essentially what they've done is they have been using the sh it's the shape issue again gibson are coming after them because of the shape for the coronet which was this electric guitar shape i i wasn't really familiar with it before i heard the news uh from the 1950s that it's kind of yeah it's kind of weird looking it looks sort looks of like, like electro yeah like if a 
if I, I guess I would put it if an SG and a Strat sort of had a baby and that baby like hooked up with a Dan Electro and that's yeah yeah like that's that's what this guitar is it's it's weird it's weird it, and there's a reason it why weird. it's not terribly popular yeah I mean like let satellite amps have this you know don't mm. you, like the thing is like Gibson completely stopped building this guitar and then satellite amps were like okay we're going to use this shape um like they they had some i think they originally had some deal or something and then at the nam show in 2016 gibson came down and took photos and asked questions and now they're suing and it's it really does bring to mind that uh band meme 666 instagram page who have t-shirts that say we're gibson we make cheap guitars and we're dicks about it and like <laughs> you know, it's just i, I very, love band memes oh my gosh yeah it's it's very to the point so they i mean they really need to divert some of the money that they're putting into their legal department and really put it into their pr department because it's it's become yeah. a joke at this stage a literal well, meme I, I'm just going to say it once again. Look what Fender's done. I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm not a huge Fender fan, and I may never buy one of their guitars, but hey, they're at least diversifying and they're trying new stuff. And Gibson can't even... Uh, they're not even reissuing the Coronet. Like, let's be clear about that. Yeah. They're just... It's, it's not a reissue. They're not doing anything with it. They're just hounding satellite amps. Like, oh my gosh! <laughs> For yeah, real. I mean, yeah. Ah, okay. Anyway, all right. Just something a bit more positive. John, <laughs> yes. you uh, introduced me to the uh, Australian act I built the sky uh, a couple of months ago, and then after much toing and froing because of time zones and uh, the, I suppose the mastermind by the project Rowan, our guest today is based in Australia. Uh, we eventually <laughs> managed to coordinate one of our legendary three time zone. Zoom conversations in, in it, Australia. It was worth it. It was worth it in the end. We went Colorado, uh, Galway, Melbourne, I believe, and mm. yeah, it was. I, I'm I'm so glad we made, were able to make it work because uh, Rowan was a really cool guy, and we got through. Uh, so, if you for for people that don't know, I built this guy. How would you sum up what kind of music it is? Um, I always like to refer to this type of music as instrumental guitar nerd music. Um, but yeah. it's it. One thing I think. Uh, Rowan does really well I've broken down a few of his songs with students and he's really good about kind of creating a solid harmonic foundation and memorable hooks and I, I think that's something that can really draw your ear into the music it's not just it's not Ingve Malmsteen noodling for four minutes it's it is very intentional um melodic and harmonic compositions that you can really pull a lot out of whether you're you're trying to learn a cool lick yourself um more on that later but <laughs> uh short short preview there anyway that's that's probably where that's how i would classify it and that's what i would recommend to listen for when you're listening to i built the sky yeah Cool. So, um, yeah, I suppose we'll just we'll give you a snippet. Well, we'll give you the full interview here that we recorded a couple of weeks ago. And, yeah, we'll come back to share our thoughts. Welcome, everybody. We are here with uh, Rowan Stevenson from I Built the Sky, uh, an Australian. How would you describe, like, if you had to put a genre on it, Rowan, what would you go for? I'd say instrumental progressive metal. 
sweet for the most okay, part cool i love every part of that that's great <laughs> um and you are i believe our third melburnian <laughs> yeah <laughs> i know chris zupa uh was was on oh, yeah. before and uh yeah so thanks very much once again we have managed to uh make the planets align by having our three time zones sync up at once oh my yeah. gosh um, <laughs> so john you turned me on to i built this guy a few weeks ago and like it's it's fucking badass man like it's it's really really cool music so john where did you come across ron's music uh to be honest i think it was just one of those things in spotify and and it just uh i remember actually i take that back i think it was during the masters the dreaded dreaded masters thesis so oh yes <laughs> my master's oh. thesis was basically on instrumental guitar music so um and that's came across you through kind of that whole intervals plenty yeah lineup that sort of thing one of the things that's really interesting and kind of the reason we we wanted to chat with you a little bit today was you recently made the transition this was august of 2019 to go full-time into this you had a day job just regular joe but then said hey you know what i'm gonna go ahead jump in do guitar do music full-time and then of course in in the middle of this as you're ramping up COVID hits and everything comes like crashing back down so talk to us a little bit about the transition the build-up what have you been doing during uh quarantine to help stay busy to help stay active and and keep that career momentum going uh yeah so yeah before this i was a teacher so i was teaching music um mostly instrumental teaching so i mean it's a pretty good job really out of all the jobs you can get i think that was a pretty good job um but, you know, it's not where my passion is, you know, necessarily. So, I, you know, I always, I always felt like, you know, as a kid and learning music and, you know, I wanted to be someone that was involved in making music and doing music. Um, but, you know, as you go, you realize that, that that is a pretty, pretty slim chance of that really happening to that degree, you know. So, I, I was, I never lost my passion for it, but I, I just realized that in time that, you know, if I was wanting to like, you know, move out and start growing as a person that it'd probably be wise to get a, a you know, a paying job rather than trying to mm. um, make money off random instrumental music, which just doesn't seem to work usually. So <laughs> yeah, I, I ended up um, studying teaching for a year and then I, um, started teaching and yeah and, and and at first it was a pretty good fit really like um I, I i did enjoy it early on for sure like i really enjoy teaching students that are interested in music and you know are curious about it that that i love doing for sure um i find that when you work in like a school system which is what i was doing hmm. um you get some of that but the majority of your time is you know kids are just maybe their parents see the opportunity and they want to um just give this the kid a go and the the kid may may not really care you know so it can be frustrating when you when you deal with that and yeah it's yeah i mean it it can be fantastic but it can be really hard as as someone that's like a passionate musician you know as i am you know it 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 is a hard thing and and over time i just i just i was less less invested in it and um and more invested in my music you know like Mm. um when when i did because i was playing in bands um before i started teaching you know in lots of bands and stuff like that um but but when i i decided 
to do teaching, I sort of thought, okay, I'm going to keep music as more of a hobby thing and just to have fun with it and stuff like that. So I treated it like that. And with teaching, I was able to earn money and stuff like that and able to move out of home. So that was really cool. Yeah. I was able to build up my studio. So there's lots of really cool things um, that it allowed for me, you know, um, and uh, yeah, so I just kept making my own music and, and really I switched my focus from trying to make it as an artist to just having fun, you know? Mm, um, yeah. And I think that was ultimately key because, you know, I, I think that's what really was, uh, that is what led to where I am now, you know? Cause I was just making, I was really putting all my, um, like my, my soul into my music, you know, I'm not worrying about, okay, is this, this is going to be my career. I wasn't thinking about that. I'm like, I just really enjoy making this crazy music and trying to really, you know, explore the guitar and make interesting stuff and combine like, you know, really chilled out stuff with really hectic stuff and mm. just, just play with sound. And, you know, so I had so much fun with it as, as I went on with teaching, um, I was just less and less invested as, as less and less students seemed to really be, you know, be passionate like, like I was. So, um, yeah, as, as I got on, like my, my project would build and build and, you know, I was putting so much into my project. I just loved every minute of it, you know, and my, my enthusiasm for my job was just going down and down. So <laughs> I got, I got to that point where I, I was just, I was actually like fairly, fairly depressed, you know? Yeah. Um, I was, you know, it's frust I was just really frustrated because I was so passionate about music and just so not passionate about the job I was in. You know, I was there for too long, admittedly, you know. I think I think it would help to, you know, try a different job or something like that. Um, but I just got to a point where I thought, you know, the the light because I always had that goal, like fuck, maybe because because early on, like I I could see people were starting to um share the music and interact yeah. with me and stuff that so i knew there was a, a just a slight spark and and as the years went on you know it just grew and grew and and at, at you know seven years into my job i felt like you know what i'm about to release the best material i've got you know i think maybe it's worth jumping in you know yeah but of course because i was i was quite depressed you know at the time i was like fuck it well i got nothing to lose fuck it so i just went for it you know and have not looked back in the slightest that's great, man. I think there's something really there about follow, following what energizes you. You know, sometimes just if you're in a job for the, if you do something for the sake of just the money, it's, um, yeah, you're going to end up in a bit of a hole. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I forget who said it, but some crazy philosopher was saying, you know, just if you have a passion for something, do, do that, you know, like you, you, the more you, um, the more you uh, invest yourself in your passion, the more you're going to be able to find ways to monetize that, you know, mm -hmm. I think, and now more than ever, you know, we've got, we're all connected. We're all on the internet. We're all got, you know, YouTube, you can make channels about anything. You know, if I was obsessed with crabs, I feel like I could make a channel <laughs> on crabs, you know, and I think you could make it work. Honestly, this, I mean, I've seen so many YouTube like successes on the most obscure things. So I think, you've got a good shot now as opposed to any other time in history. Passion is infectious and people kind of pick up on that. Um, sweet. So if you just to move back to like I built this guy, um, yeah, would I be wrong in saying that you do everything <laughs> like you do? Um, I was just looking through your Facebook FAQs there, which I, I really dig. And it's like, you do all the writing and performance and the mixing and the producing. And um, God, that sounds like, I mean, like, 
that sounds like an awful lot to be, I mean, in terms of the writing process, would you just play along with like drum machines or like talk us through like maybe how a song is built from start to finish? Yeah, so I, I do mostly everything, but um, lately I've been um, like, cause I, I, I was releasing my own mixed master, mastered music, you know, and I really enjoyed the challenge of that. And I think I learned a lot out of doing that. But I think the end result of my music wasn't as good as it could be. It wasn't to a professional mm. standard, you know? So, so at the last album I did, I thought, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get someone of note to jump in on this and make the songs the best they can be, you know? So I have been trying to incorporate that into to help, you know, to benefit the songs and everything like that. So I'm, I, and like, I think I've, like when I was doing the project, I, I was my mission to like keep it all in house and I wanted to learn about mixing and mastering and writing and all that sort of stuff. So I was more focused on just, just, just doing the best I could with what I had. But as I go on now, cause it's like my business now, right? So I want to make the best the music can be. So getting, I'm getting input from um, like in particular Forrester who's worked with Carnival and things um, to do mixing and mastering. I had, like, I love programming drums and I have a lot of yeah. fun with that. But um, on the last album, I got my um, drummer friend to, to jump in and help just flesh out the drums a bit more and just um, just show different options for what a drummer would do, you know? And um, I think we got really good results doing that as well. Yeah, it sounds, the drum sounds in particular are fantastic, they're really, really good. I mean, like with all that stuff that you're doing, do you still find time to practice or is it all like kind of writing and recording? Yeah, so, so now I don't dedicate time to practice. I dedicate time to create because I feel like, I mean, I've done a lot of that in the past. I feel like there needs to be a point in time. You know, I mean, it depends on your personal goals and everything like that. Yeah. But for me, I wanted to be an artist. I want to be a creator. I want to be out there touring. There's got to be a time where your focus shifts to developing your skills to creating music. So I feel like that's my focus. I, I wouldn't say I practice and a lot of, a lot of, I've, I've heard a lot of artists say that they don't practice necessarily, but mm -hmm. the thing is the way I write music, I write music that is quite difficult for me to play. So in order to be able to play it, I've got to work on that. And, 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 and that in turn makes me a better guitarist. Um, so when I'm writing music, I I'm not, I'm not limiting myself to my skill level. I'm always um, really pushing that. And, and I kind of sometimes think oh, I'll figure that out later, how to perform that live, you know, um, and just, I'll just make it work, you know, whatever. So uh, yeah, I think the, the nature of the style of music I, I write um, forces me to step up. I love that though, because that's really, that's really pushing your, you're still pushing your abilities. You're still trying to get better and, and explore new ways of playing the instrument, new things that you can do yeah. with it and then just make it, but may, put it in a creative context. And I think that's, that's also a great way to learn because as you've said several times, it's just, uh, it's, it's about your passion. It's about the thing that you're excited about. Use that yeah. to really drive yourself forward. I think that's, that's really great advice for anybody out there that's, that's working on their own project or trying to find a new way to break through what they've been doing already. That's, that's fantastic advice. Totally. Sweet. So uh, just to talk a little bit about gear because we are a little bit of gearheads here. Sure. Um, that Kiesel is beautiful. 
Yeah. <laughs> really, really nice. And could you tell us a little bit about why you made that your chosen guitar? Yeah, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming you're probably talking about some of the really fancy ones I've got. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, because I kind of, I've kind of switched mentalities. I've in the last maybe, maybe like six months. You know, I've got these really stratty looking Kiesels at the moment. Um, kind of, um, kind of, you know, just strat looking. I guess they're called the Dallas model. Um, they've got bare knuckle pickups in them. I've got one with a roasted neck and one with a plain maple neck. Um, but there's something about those guitars that are very comfortable to play and they sound just as mean as, as any of my other guitars, you know, and they kind of, they kind of look real classic, but they sound huge, which is fun. Um, but yeah, before that I was using these really fancy, um, they're called CT models which is like kind of uh, it, it's called a, it's kind of like based on maybe a PRS sort of style, yeah. um, custom sort of style, I guess. But um, yeah, it, they're, I mean, I love, I love Kiesel. So I've been playing them for like maybe two years now, maybe three years now, <laughs> fair while. But um, yeah, I mean, they've, they've got a lot of options. I find um, there's so many different wood options and got body, like all the body, different body shapes and stuff like that. They've just introduced roasted necks, which I think is is the next coolest thing. Um, something about the way it feels, like I didn't realize, like I, I heard that they'll be more stable because it's like they kind of cook the wood and it's supposed to be a bit more solid and stuff like that. But the actual, the, the end finish of the wood is different to just regular maple. Mm-hmm. It just feels really nice. So I'm, I'm starting to um, favor the roasted maple necks. But um, yeah, they look super cool. That's for sure. And then what are you playing for your, excuse me, what are you playing for? Man, we'll try one more time. (laughs) What are you playing for your live rig? Yes, I've got like a fractal AX8 pedal, which is awesome. It's quite compact, you know, um, good for touring and that. And you do have Um, patches for that available, correct? Yeah, I do. Yeah. (laughs) Got a patch on my website and stuff, so. Yeah, class. So, I mean, like, what drew you to the Axe in terms of, like, programming? I think, is it just, is it the fact that it's just so all-encompassing and can do everything there? Were you ever, like, a, pe- a pedal head or? Yeah, I did. I did um, start off with a, I had this really cool tube amp that was made by a local guy. And uh, it's called Sherlock Amps. They, they it's basically one dude uh, who builds these amps and they're really well made but um really now it's more about it's like efficient you know like when you use a a, a modeler it sounds the same i'm not worrying about mics or mic placements it's if i'm recording i could record something you know a week apart and the tone is exactly the same so it's just easy in that way and it, it it sounds great you know you've got a lot lots of options lots of um you can you can tweak the amp to an insane degree as well as cabs and different miking emulations and um any pedal like it's all there really i mean if you if you listen to my music like 90 percent of it is just heavy guitar sound you know or low gain (laughs) but i'm probably i'm probably using about five percent of what you can do with it but um yeah I, i find it just just super easy one thing less to worry about you know especially when you're when you're going out on tour um, our last tour I did in Europe, we had the, um, the MIDI 
sends happening, which means it would change my patches, you know? So that was really cool. And in terms of like touring for now, I mean, like, you know, I've had a tour canceled as I'm sure it's like, you know, it's really put a big speed bump into, you know, what everyone is doing. So in terms of like, are you just working on recording and in terms of like filling the time that you would have spent going out and tour, how are you responding as a musician? Well, basically my, my take on it is cause like people are announcing tours and stuff like that. I feel like I don't want to dive into that yet until I know like, you know, officially, you know, from the government that it's, okay and all that sort of stuff because you know you invest a lot in marketing and there's so much that goes into it i'd hate to like invest so much into it and then have it not go ahead you know so just kind of taking it as like okay touring is not a thing basically until further notice you know so yeah i'm trying to trying to be productive i've i think i'm gonna like i've i've got something coming soon so that's really fun um but i kind of want to start working on an album for sure new album um, I love how you're as well, like on, on your merch, you're, you're selling your tabs for, you know, musicians who might want to actually learn the songs themselves. Yeah. I bought the tabs. I'm not going to lie. I bought the tabs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Thanks for that. That's awesome. Um, yeah. The tabs is like the biggest seller for me. Really? Absolutely. Like it's insane. I, I'm blown away by how amazing the response has been for tabs and everyone I've got, I mean, I've just got so many people jumping on the tabs, which is great. It is a massive thing though. If you go on to like, you know, go down the guitar rabbit hole of YouTube and you just go down through all these different genres of music, there's always somebody in the comments asking for the tabs. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. yeah. I found them really useful for teaching as well. Cause there's some really great things just in, in like how you compose just to be able to break it down. So yeah. Um, as far as your, your, um, plans for the future go, can you give us, can you give us some hints on what you're cooking up? Yeah. So looking at doing some touring next year, I'd, I'd predict that it would probably be mid midpoint of next year sort of thing. But, you know, cause I, I wanted to do an Australian tour for my album. Right. But I just kind of can't. So I, I want to fit that in somewhere too. It just all depends, you know, in, in my mind, I'm just kind of pushing it off because it's something I can't control. But yeah, I'm hoping to next year. If all goes to plan, I'll be back out there touring and that sort of thing. And just in the meantime, try and create and try and use my time productively and um, make music, make content, learn about things like trying to learn about cameras and, and editing video and stuff like that and get better at my, um, you know, video production and stuff like that. Cause I run a Patreon and I do a monthly video on Patreon. So I'm trying to find ways to improve that. I think Patreon is something I'm going to really put a lot of time into. What would be, if you had to share one kind of golden nugget from your experience, apart from which I really like about what, you know, your story and what you're doing is that passion is important and kind of following what excites you. I think that's a really, really good takeaway to take away from this, um, you know, from this interview. But in terms of like, as a guitar player, is there any like, anything you'd like to share just in terms of like people that are looking to get better at the instrument? Uh, yeah, I'd say you, you want to be patient with it. You know, you're not going to learn sweeping in two days, um, but keep it fun. Try and keep it fun. You know, I feel like 
I, I never force music on myself. You know, if I'm not in the mood to, to play guitar or make music, I don't feel guilty about it. I just don't do it. You know, I think that actually yeah. helps me because mm -hmm. when I sit down and I'm writing music, it's because I'm excited and I'm, I'm really, you know, really want to be there, you know, and I think the end results speak for themselves. You know, if you can't, you can't sit there, not in the mood to write music and expect something good to happen, you know? So um, yeah. don't, don't be afraid to, you know, you're, never, you're not going to be motivated every day of your life, you know, like, and that's okay. That's normal. Mm. So don't, don't stress yourself out. Just try to keep it fun. Um, you know, learn stuff that, that is a challenge to you. Um, don't, don't practice the same thing that you know well and truly every time you sit down, you know, try different things, you know, um, ask people for advice, you know, look at, look at, you know, I mean, you can, always you know transcribe things um transcribes things that aren't on the guitar because that's going to force your fingers to to move in ways you wouldn't generally expect and i think mm -hmm. that can be really helpful too but yeah mostly just keep it fun keep it fun i think that's the main thing it's a, a good uh, three word sound bite <laughs> yeah <laughs> Sweet. Well, that, that, thanks so much, Rowan, for being with us today. Um, really, like, we'll, we'll, you know, when you release new stuff, we'll be sure to, to plug it when it comes out. We really oh, awesome. You taking the time. Um, yeah, it's class. I'm so glad John uh, showed me what you do because it's, it's, it's great. Oh, thank you so much. So yeah. where can people find out more about what you're doing? Uh, I think that, like, like the, I'm most active on Instagram, I think. So um, that's probably the best one. I just, I'm just... Uh, at I built the sky one word. Um, I have Facebook, I have YouTube. So all my videos and all my music videos and things are on YouTube. Um, if you really want to go that next level, I've got my Patreon, uh, which is where I do like behind the scenes stuff, um, tour videos and, and um, you know, I do a monthly video that you can join for a dollar a month. So I'm um, doing different things and I'm trying to build the community there and get people's advice on what they want from me. So it's a like more of a two way thing. And I really enjoy that. And that's where I'm putting a lot of my energy these days. So, yeah. Thank you again, Rowan, for such a great, uh, great interview. Um, so I, I think one of the big things that was covered here is that Rowan describes being, you know, his position of being a teacher and leaving that behind to kind of pursue mm. music and, you know, very brave thing to do. And we talk, about how corona had affected that but i don't know i got this kind of sense of optimism often that you know he was really happy to be devoting the amount of time that he was yeah. to this i mean it's become kind of his career now as opposed to just what was originally a project and i think that's really cool i think that we we, we need people like that that are willing to kind of put themselves out there i mean tours are going to get cancelled and you know we, the the state of live music being where it is right now mm. you know it's it's a bit uh depressing but uh i i really enjoyed having this interview with him and you know it, it's great to i mean the state of the world right now is what it is but we can still talk about like music and, and why we love making it and um, so yeah i I, re I really enjoyed like, that aspect of it you know the whole like following your dream uh, yeah. which may sound cliched but you know there is a there you know there is a lot to be said for considering it as an option yeah, it's a very cool story, um, and it's it, it is an, a testament to just his hard work, what he's been able to do, how he's been able to do it. I I think one of the things that w he said too that was really interesting was the idea of finding your voice on the instrument, mm -hmm. and it's something Eric Haugen talked about too. And I think it's really important. And you look at these two guys; they're very different guitar players, 
but the importance of learning learning enough things and kind of exploring down a certain road. Eric Haugen is not gonna gonna play the same stuff as Rowan Stevenson and vice versa. And yeah. I, I think that's important to keep in mind. Sometimes as a guitar player, you kind of it's fine to go exploring, but realize you only have so much time to learn something and you only, and you're you, you know, follow the thing that you gravitate towards and work on that. And that's, that's really good advice as opposed to just, well, I'm going to try to get really good at this thing. That's really hard that I'm not sure I really like, but I'm going to do it because it's, (laughs) because I feel like I need you to be a good guitar player. Like, no, that's, Mm. that's not the best route. So. I, I thought it's it was a really good point. Yeah. Anyway, so thanks, Rowan. Really appreciate it, Rowan. Yeah, we. Uh, it was great. We, um, and best of luck with everything. So yeah. Um, so John, this brings us to our penultimate uh, segment of the show. Uh, what have you been working on as a uh, in the world of guitar? Have you been riffing? Have you been soloing? What have you been doing? Well, uh, as as I just mentioned. Uh, in in the interview, I purchased some of Rowan's tabs here for the latest his latest album. What is it called? The Zenith Rise, and uh, I've been working on the single Up into the Ether. And there's, like I said, it's it's a cool study. I definitely recommend when you anytime you're playing a song. We talked about breaking down a song a couple episodes back. Make sure that you go through it. You understand what's happening harmonically. You can see the melodic line and how it interacts with the harmonies. And that's been a really cool study. It's also been neat to pick up some of the riffs here because there's just some cool riffs. That's it's it's been fun. So first first song up into the ether, or I guess it's not the first song on the album, but it is the single off of the album. Do check it out. Worth awesome. learning at least the uh, the little intro there. It's fun little tapping lick in there too. Yeah, so. it's class. It, it, it's 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 yeah for something different as opposed to if you're just kind of used to learning standard picking exercise or whatever it is nice to kind of shake it up with this kind of instrumental um i suppose that you're, you're diverging into something different which i think is really always good to branch out and yeah do. and um, yourself so what have you been up to you mentioned um, you were going to do some recording today is i that, was going to do some yeah. recording today but my condenser mic is being a little b and uh, so it's 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 frustrating but it's fine i have this essentially i have the bones of an ep done and i have just made a little checklist of everything left to do so i'm going to see if i can get my microphone to cooperate and if not i'll just do some more guitar overdubs or tweak some drums or something like that there's always something else to be doing so right yeah what i've what i've been trying to do is um I, I it's just through the process I wrote the song and it was just you know it's very wordy and I essentially created this backing track for it you know with uh, Easy Drummer and with you know just a bass line that I wrote and I've just been going through it and I'm kind of like oh it's just it's it's too wordy and there's too much going on and sometimes you just the drums just don't fit and so I'm just I've spent like hours tweaking drums and bass parts and I'm just like I might just like make it just me and an acoustic guitar because that's just I think what fits and that's one of the parts of recording is sometimes you just have to scrap 
so much work and oh, just be like so this just doesn't feel natural especially when it's like when you're when you're doing stuff on GarageBand or logic or something like that it's you know almost always to a click and um, you know we do recommend using a click but sometimes it just doesn't feel right sometimes it can be a bit too limiting and you can really lose the feel of what you're going for so i might just uh put you know save everything and then just kind of start a fresh track and see if, if I can get this mic working. Uh, just record just me and uh, guitar and uh, and voice and just see how that goes. Um, but yeah, so that's that's kind of that. Uh, that's really interesting. Mm. Um, I think it's yeah. I I I always I've always said that a, a song kind of it needs to stand up by itself in terms of if you strip away all the instruments and just break it down to like a, a piano and voice or a guitar and voice, uh, will it hold up? And I think that this one kind of does, and you don't need a lot of bells and whistles to really fill out the sound. Mm -hmm. um, so <laughs> we'll see when I show it to people, uh, if, if I am correct. But yeah, I don't know. That's, that's, I mean, recording has been what I've really been working on. And also just, I've been, was getting a little bit frustrated with not writing anything on guitar. So I've been just going back to a few old trusty open tunings and figuring some stuff out there. And it's been great. I think, I've, I think we mentioned that before, if you're kind of stuck in a rut, playing with new tunings and uh, shapes is a, a really valuable thing. And I'm kind of rediscovering that myself uh, in terms of writing parts. So yeah, neat is right. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> well, I, I was, I was going to say too, I, I really like your point about actually dropping the metronome out, um, which I, I think for practice and I think for most of your recording, it's really important, but this, the idea of kind of stripping it down and, and playing in a more rubato sense it's a very big thing for a classical guitarist. A classical guitarist is going to go ahead and learn the, learn the subdivisions and learn how it feels and learn how to play with the metronome because that's the important part of the piece. But then in order to tease out the emotions from just the instrument, you have to kind of let that push and pull a little bit. So the click yes. is not the thing that's bound or pounding you in the head, but um there is still a sense of time. It's just a little more fluid. And I think that's interesting. I also saw a uh, Rick Beato, of course, it had a commentary on how much of modern music, I mean, essentially all of modern music is essentially lined up to a grid. And, okay. and yeah. when there's no room for error, there's no room for rubato anymore. And He's sort of lamenting this fact. And I do think the technology we have is great, but I am going to kind of say like, yeah, there is kind of that magic of when something just like speeds up two beats per minute. And yeah, it yeah, just, yeah, yeah. It, it adds a momentum to it. And a lot of that is gone from what we listen to and it's not necessarily for the better. So yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I think that's, there really is that kind of, when when you take away that the the grid system, um, I, I like I hate the doors. I absolutely can't stand the doors. I'm totally with you. Thank you. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yes. But, <laughs> but I honestly think the the slow breakdown and build up in L.A. Woman is one of my favorite pieces from a rock song, just because of the feel that you get from these musicians clearly being in the same room, mm. and it's just it's this real natural energy that builds up. Lyrics are gibberish they're like a, a very they're a very uh, overrated band but I, something like that yeah. could not be done like uh, kind of real spontaneous groovy natural pieces of music like that they just can't really happen when you're doing everything to a metronome it's just kind mm, of the, the, good point. The, if, 
yeah so uh yeah we'll do it <laughs> we'll do a we hate the doors episode soon um speaking <laughs> that, that of, would we, be oh yeah go ahead no go i was going to say so we uh we are recording an episode this week on our disdain for a certain guitarist for uh, a popular metal act and which will only be available <laughs> on our, our patreon and it's kirk hammett we, let's just say <laughs> it was always going to be kirk hammett yeah you, so you we are before before dylan even finished saying anything dear that's listener it. Like, you already knew yeah, let's let's call a spade a spade here. So we uh, we basically we've set up a Patreon. We have uh, three levels: uh, two, five, and ten dollars a month. And yeah, we are uh, essentially trying to get this ball rolling. So this is going to be our first episode. Uh, we're going to be doing a bonus episode every month, as well as early access to interviews and a nice shout out on the show. That is our two dollar tier. Our six string sidekick. Who came up with those names? Probably me. And um, <laughs> so so yeah, if you if you'd like to hear that, uh, also we do um, we as part of our mini episodes now we are doing a kind of a guide to picking and john has put some exercises up there so if you are a patron you can uh, access them so yeah it'd be great if you could jack in a buck we'd really uh, really appreciate that uh, just to essentially keep the lights on and yeah. help us pay for like our soundcloud and our stitcher stuff yeah the um actually the picking guide so that's going to be in a couple of different parts we've got part one up that's totally free we've got just the the intro to picking guide we'll have more resources like that available to our patrons 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 yeah um as as we go and some of that will be exclusive to the members but right now this one is totally free get it while you can um it's just a start to kind of get you going based on our episode that recently came out on picking so that's that's entirely what it is yeah and we're going to be doing more picking episodes mini episodes over the next probably two two months or so so yeah if you if you wouldn't mind supporting us on patreon we do have free uh, resources there and we're going to be putting out more content that will be uh subscriber only so yeah we're looking forward to that um but yeah we we do have some nice episodes coming up in the future um so yeah if you wouldn't mind i'm kind of <laughs> i'm spiraling right here uh but yeah if you have any uh, interest in topics we uh or, or want to suggest some topics you can reach out to us at uh, sharpen that at gmail.com we're also on instagram facebook and twitter i believe which i need to get on um so yeah uh john anything to add no i don't think Shut so me up <laughs> uh friends until next time stay sharp thanks for tuning in <laughs>